Welcome to Your Live Well, the podcast series bringing you expert-led advice, thoughts and opinions from across the breadth of well-being and from some of the amazing contributors featured at Live Well London 2020. In this podcast, The Naked Professor, Ben Bidwell, interviews Johnny Wilkinson, CBE and founder of Number One Living, to explore how we can only achieve what we are truly capable of if we start living our lives from the inside out. Exploring Johnny's evolving journey through career changes and life transitions, resulting mental health challenges, and how he went on to discover new approaches for a more balanced, happier, and fulfilled life, the conversation will inspire the audience to live well and thrive. Share Johnny's experience in revealing your potential in life, to work with our bodies, to feel more alive, and explore how to uncover the joy in ourselves. We hope you enjoy this inspiring conversation. First and foremost, it's, um, it's an honor that, to see such a full room. I'm not going to pretend that everyone's here to see me, but I'm, I'm going to, you know, team game. Um, and um, just thank you, everyone, for being here. It's, it's um, uh, an honor and a pleasure for me to sit here today and have this conversation with um, Johnny Wilkinson. I, I'm not sure he's someone who needs a huge amount of introduction, but today I think we're going to talk about sort of the next venture or the next part of his life. He's known as, as um, one, of the, one of the best rugby players who's ever ever lived. He's uh, a hero of English rugby. He was the champion or the, the catalyst behind the 2003 World Cup final win for England. Um, but life has changed a lot for him. And I think it's that that we're going to talk about in, the, in, the, uh, in this next hour. And how I want to start today, obviously welcoming Johnny first and foremost and thanking him for being here and um, for supplying the, the kombucha that we're, we're going to touch on today. But what I want to do first and foremost with you, Johnny, to get, to get into this space is... Um, this is going to be very much about uh, a talk, not less about kind of the rational and the logical, but more about kind of the present and, and with the present, actually how we feel. And how I want to start that conversation off is just have a little check-in. It's something that I do regularly with myself, but also on the podcast that I run, just to share how I actually feel in this moment, um, to drop into that heart space. So um, it's a nice way to introduce ourselves as well. So if I start and then ask how yeah. you are. Um, so how am I? Yeah, I mean, everyone's looking at me. It's, uh, it's, it's scary. You know, I'm, I'm nervous. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that I was sat in these seats and looking at the people on, the, on, these, on these chairs. And it makes me feel a number of different things. Firstly, to say nervous, for sure. But okay with that nerves, don't worry. You know, I'm okay with that. I'm used to this now, and I'm used to embracing this nerves. But um, with that nerves, I feel very alive. I'm very privileged and very proud to be sat in these seats. Um, there's, a, there's an energy inside of me that, that makes me feel very present, makes me feel very here. So, um, yeah, I'm just grateful to, 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 to be ready to have this conversation and to be sat here with, with you now. So, yeah. How are you feeling? Me, I'm uh, hugely excited to be here. Um, and that excitement, I actually, is palpable. Um, I spent a long time sitting in dressing rooms, feeling like if someone opened the back door and said, you don't have to play this game, you can run off, I would have run so many times. And it seems silly to say it now, when you spend your life and it's your passion, you love doing it. I'd have run away from 90% of the games I played had I been given that option. If you caught me at the right, at the right or the wrong time, however you want to see it. Um, 
but because of that, I've become much more uh, in tune with with what I was feeling. Instead of calling it, giving it my label of saying I'm anxious or this or whatever, I'm I'm actually now just like, what is it I'm feeling? And and you said it yourself. I, I feel alive. I'm sort of in that space where an old part of me definitely would have been desperate to know what's about to happen. I want it guaranteed. I wanted to know it goes all right. Everyone thinks you're, you're great and everyone laughs at what you say if it's supposed to be funny and doesn't when it's not. And, and you walk out the room and everyone gives you a big clap and whatever. You wanted all those guarantees. Now I, I, I'm loving sitting there without them. And that's what I think about is, is about being alive. The fact that the unknown is where the life exists. I know my potential is in that unknown. If it was known, it wouldn't be my potential. It would be a limit. I don't want guarantees. I don't want to know what's coming. I don't want to expect anything. And that's the feeling I've got now is this is what it feels like to, to sit in that moment rather than try and take that next step ahead of yourself and say, actually, I, you know, it should be okay. I believe it's going to be okay. It's like, no, no, no. I used to do that. I used to watch six for eight guys in changing rooms with scars on their faces who have played 500 games. They're built like whatever you want to call it. They're walking around, but they're stood there beating themselves on the chest saying, I can do this, I can do this. I'm looking, thinking, you couldn't see anything more fragile. And then you see someone in the corner who's just sat there just just reading the program. I played with a guy called Sonny Bill Williams who I had to give him a nudge two minutes before kickoff. I was like, we've got a game. He's too busy reading the program. And then he stood up and I was like, oh God. <laughs> I wouldn't like to be playing against this guy. Thank God he's on my team. And that was the point is that there was a guy who was living the moment with an excitement, a different relationship to the unknown than, than everyone else who goes on about self-belief and I believe I can do it. And I guess when you say, how am I feeling now? I'm in that space now where an old part of me would be desperate to believe, would almost be sitting there doing my routine of being like, it's going to be okay. But instead I'm, I'm loving what might be described as a bit of vulnerability, but it's not, it's, it's being alive. Mm. Well, that's beautifully shared, yeah. <laughs> and do you know what? Is there any fear for you now in that unknown? You know, you took because before it was very structured. It was being, it was the known. And yeah. You would train as hard as you possibly could to, so that everyone was, everything was aligned. And now you're sitting in this space where it's like, do you know what? I don't know. And I don't know how this conversation is going to go. Yeah. Is there fear in that for you? Or have you learned to just be okay with it? Well, when I started my career, I always talk about the time when I first started my career. I was, I mean, I played all the best rugby I played was when I first started. And it was just because I was at the bottom of a mountain looking up saying, just what could I achieve? Who knows, but let's go have a go. And then as I got further on, the whole journey was about, look what I've achieved. I don't want to lose it. So for a massive part of my whole career was based on fear of loss. Just that, I just don't want to lose what I've got. So that was the guarantees. I need to know that basically saying what I've done so far, how things are, are good enough. I'm not interested in how great they can be. They're good enough. I just want to make sure they're okay. And if I can sneak a bit more, then brilliant. And I think that was the, for me, that, that hugely based around fear. Whereas the understanding I came to quite quickly towards the, the end of my career was just that every time something happened that I did fear, it brought about enormous growth. Because every time I got what I wanted, I became smaller. Every time people are, I, I, at a certain point in my career, I was surrounded by teammates who were so scared of me. They just said yes to whatever I said. They weren't scared of me physically, but of the, the way that people painted a picture of me, they came in and just sort of went, oh Christ, we better do that. So whatever I said, they agreed with. And I became smaller and smaller and smaller as the team did. Because I just wasn't getting challenged in any way. I used to sit there in changing rooms, wishing that the, the team that's coming 
brought their second team or maybe one of their players is going to get injured or maybe they'll have an off day just because I wanted to sneak through it. Whereas towards the end, there were certain changes being like, I hope they bring it today. Because if they go to that level, I've got to go to that level and I've got to find out what I'm worth. So in a way, there is no fear because whatever I used to fear is now what I'm craving. I want to be challenged. I want that feeling. I want to know. I want that feeling if, if you know, if maybe there isn't the standing ovation when I leave the room, maybe it's pure silence <laughs> walking out down the middle going, oh my God, but then that's beautiful to venture into a new space of life. And for one, so for so much of my life, I just wanted what I already knew. And basically what you're trying to say is, well, if I've already understood it and I just keep getting it, I'm just going to get smaller. I'm going to experience less and less life. So no, in a way, I love the fear now. I just, and therefore it's no longer fear. So where does fear show up for you? I mean, in the past, you're in the changing room with these six foot eight guys with scars all over their faces and you're looking around thinking, you know, geez, this is a challenge here. Yeah. Um, how are you embracing fear now in today's life? Mostly physical. Right. So for that, I mean, situations where I feel physically might be a threat and, and physically to my family, I guess, and to those around me, I think, well, not just family, but that family extends out. But yeah, mostly that. I, I see things on a physical level. I have that on a because the rest of it is my identity, and that's been my entire journey. It's just been realizing that when I became self-important by that, I kind of not that I thought I was great, but just that I really thought I knew who I was. That became I confused that with physical safety. So this is a brilliant place. I've been around the, the event a little bit, and just it looks so cool, and so much of it I think relates to to stress and. I've been very deep into this and the, the concept about as, a, as a, a, an animal or whatever or a human being is that when you're physically under stress, threat, you deal with it and quite quickly it dissipates. But when your identity is under stress, all your goals and your ambitions and your position, your reputation, all the things you've got, you're constantly under a, a bit less stress but constant, drip feeding that stress reaction and, I, and it just causes chronic problems and that's what I was doing. I built myself up. This is who I am. Everyone was writing about me. Everyone was saying this about me. Everyone was thinking I was this. So I had this thing of who I was and it was no, that became so sure that any threat to that, if I read in the paper about another player who's coming up and doing really well, I'd get panic attacks because my, my identity was like literally like, you're going to kill me. This guy's going to kill me. So I spent my life doing that, walking along, everything's fine. I'd hear someone on the radio and suddenly I'm like, oh my God, I've got to, got to do something. I just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And oh yeah, I haven't hid the idea, and I certainly wouldn't. Is that I, I'd suffered from mental health issues from about the age of four or five through to probably about yeah, maybe 32, something like that. And all of it was, was based on loss. But as I built this identity of who I was, it just came from everywhere. I mean, everything was a threat to, to me. And so I don't have that idea of who I am anymore. Um, I've got nothing to lose on that respect. But from a body perspective, I have, that's my route into life. I don't really want to lose that. Mm. I knew this word would come up quite early in our conversation, but it's come up even earlier probably than I thought. But this word that, that, that stands out for me right now is, is surrender. And that's surrendering to your thoughts. You know, we're all going to, we're tuned in to have these thoughts that are going to talk to us and tell us we're not good enough and tell us that we shouldn't be doing this because fundamentally those thoughts are trying to keep us safe, right? And um, surrender is almost the antithesis of what we're trying to be as men, particularly in a rugby environment. The last word, that you, the last thing you're going to associate with is surrender. But when we talk about the, the real you or the natural you, it's surrendering to those thoughts, right? And just being here right now and, you know, when I shared my nerves and things like that, it's surrendering to nerves, I'm acknowledging them, they're there. But actually, I'm just here, me. 
and just saying what I'm saying and having this conversation with you and what will happen will happen and then we walk out. Yep. And in that place is freedom. With, and, and that's where for me this word surrender is such a key part and it was such a challenge because it was so anti-masculine, if you like. Right. It wasn't associated with anything that a man should be. And now it's the key almost to my freedom. And I think that's what you're saying really is, is removing any of these thoughts or these challenges, these obstacles, these stories that are in your head and just being here having conversation, right? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I, it's quite interesting that I, I used to really get angry with my thoughts, you know, things I was having, constant, constant thoughts. And I realized that actually I identified, so my identity was I wanted to be the best ever. I wrote this down when I was young. I wanted to be the best in the world. Um, I had such black and white ideas of what success was and what failure was and what right was and what wrong and good and bad were. And at the same time, I wanted to be the most peaceful being you could possibly have. Now, this, I, this, I didn't realize until I got deeper into it that all those ideas that identity was controlling my thought process. So therefore I wanted to relax on the night before a game. I just wanted to relax. I wanted to think of nothing and I could not stop my brain. And yet my thoughts were, I wanted to be the best in the world. And my, my mind was looking around for any threat saying, well, hold on. If you have, you done enough? Have you done enough kicking? What about that one you missed there? And what about that team? What about last week? Have you done enough preparation? Now I'm trying to tell my mind to let, let go and let me be, but I'm the one that's created that identity. I wanted to be the best and now my mind's doing the best it can. So I think that, I think sometimes the ego gets a bad rap. It's just the mind is doing whatever we've asked it, but if we're not conscious of what we've asked it, we're not going to be happy with what it's doing. So I worked it out and as I, and this is a really interesting one that I had with some people is, I wanted to be so badly the best in the world. I wanted to be so, so good at what I did. And then I came across an interesting experiment where someone sort of said to me, and I'll relay it to you guys, was all that stuff you want in your career, whatever it is, there it is in your life, every wish you ever wanted right in front of you. Now, all you have to do to have that is just for the next 10 seconds, just don't think about a pink monkey. Just don't think about a pink monkey and it's yours. And that was ludicrous because I'm thinking that's what I wanted in my career. I wanted to be at my best. I wanted to feel brilliant and beautiful. And yet I couldn't even control someone else owned my thoughts. Someone stood over there I'd never met before, totally owned me. And on the field, I wanted to be totally responsible for my own performance. And yet I was owned by everything happening around me, whether, um, I don't know, the coach said a certain word, whether I read something in the newspaper, these things owned me instead of me owning my own mind. So as soon as I let go of that self-importance, suddenly if you say to me, don't think about this, I don't think about it. Mm because you get your, your choice back. Now, from, that was an interesting realization of what's potential. And I think this idea about you've got to fight for everything. People say things like, this is, your, this is your opportunity. This is what you really want. This is your dream. You've got to fight for it. It's like, but hold on. If you ask anyone when you're at your best, what does it feel like? It's like, I feel effortless. I feel light. I feel engaged. I feel connected. I feel energized. Are you fighting? No. So if you really want something, why not perform for it? Don't fight for it. But the whole of life is built around this idea that fighting, like you said, is masculine. But the opposite of fighting is acceptance or surrender. But it gets a bad rap because it sounds like giving in. But it's not. It's basically just saying that this moment now is as it is. Once I accept that, I can start doing something with it. If I 
resist it, like I did for most of my career, I spend my life angry, frustrated, and fighting, which if you ask me, how do I perform when I'm in that state? I'm reckless. I'm all over the place. Sometimes it very rarely, but sometimes it works. The rest of the time, I just cause havoc. Right, what about when you're at your best? Now, what would you choose? I'd choose to be like that, inspired as much as I can in my life. How much of your life are you spending like that, about that? So yeah, I, I, I totally agree. You go into that space of, vulnerable acceptance and it allow it gives up this amazing inner environment of just opportunity mm. do you feel like you're getting owned by a microphone right now because it's it's yeah i feel like i might need to break it it's... a little bit or bend it what's that like people tell me can you hear me if i'm here yeah 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 we can all hear you fine it was only i could just yeah you just, can hear it rubbing rubbing it's rubbing no it's fine though it's all good try that okay. um yeah so you're good and so um what i find so interesting really about all this because obviously you 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 you've gone right into all this stuff and it's, it's deeply fascinating and I'm totally on, on board with everything you say and I think it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful and amazing message by the way but, and, and I feel like society is intrigued by it and wants to know more and it feels life is going more this way um, is there space for it in a rugby environment? Do you, do you feel you know is this concept of, of surrender or acceptance that if you go out and perform your best with freedom and you lose and that's okay because you did your best is that is that possible because it is a results driven industry right i think the the best way to to talk about this from my perspective is just that it's it's already happening okay it's it's not is there room for it or is there not it's just that it is already happening yeah and for example if you ask if you ask anyone on a field now when they go out and and sort of playing at the, they're at their best whether they win or lose you ask them how they are in that moment they'll tell you I already I feel beautiful mm. I feel engaged or whatever so in that in that space you're already accepting everything for example go, before the game I'd sit in the change room and think what if this happens what if that happens what if this happens what if that happens oh hold on all these things to fear now in the game 10 minutes into the game all those things that were possible to fear are still there they could still happen. But why, why are we no longer stressed about them? Just because they've been accepted. So it's not that we need to accept, it's that when we're at our best, everything's already been accepted anyway. So it's actually, it's not a case of trying to achieve something. It's looking at what's already happening. It, I'm, I do this all the time. You know, I think if I'm having, if I get fears about what's coming, I just ask myself, have I for one millisecond been able to feel great in the last day? It's like, well, yeah, then it's possible. Mm. It's already happening. The, I, I, like I said, I go into this deeply, but our bodies and everything is accepted to be here right now. It's why it's happening. The only thing that hasn't is the identity of who we think we are. And it's like, so I think it's really important to help people understand it's nothing you have to do. You're already doing it. You just need to listen to the bits you're already doing. So yeah, I, I do I think there's a, point for a place for it in rugby in terms of how you talk about it? I think you just have to talk about it in the right way. If you go into a rugby change room now and say, or any sports change room, saying how many people in this change room now are suffering from fear of failure? You'll get 95% hands go up. You go, well, hold on. Who wants to feel fully engaged and involved in their life and, and feel excited about the unknown? You'll get 100% hands in the air. It's like, well, let's go on this journey. Because whatever's happening right now, it isn't working. Because 10 years ago, you'd have got 95% of people saying I'm suffering. Now you'll get 95% of people saying I'm suffering. It's, it's, yeah, there is, there is, there's been no, no great shift. 
Yeah, it's on top of that. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks. Yeah. Freedom. Hey. <laughs> um, what about checking in, in 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 that environment? You know, actually showing how you feel. Because traditionally, is you know, we I guess man up. You know, we're all we're all feeling fear, but none of us would say it. And we crack on and, and, and get on with it. And um, for me, one of the most liberating parts of my journey has been to acknowledge how I feel and to, to to understand I'm not defined by it. To understand it's just a temporary thing. And with that, there's freedom. You know, when I sit here and say, God, you know, the reality is I'm nervous. I'm sitting with this this legend who, you know, everyone's come to see. And you know, who am I to conduct this interview and all these these stories? Um, when I just own that, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty nervous. That, that's, that's a form of freedom too. And, I, you know, in, in that sports world, could we, could we, because we, I did a, uh, an interview last week with a footballer and he said that he felt that if 90% of the time, if you went to your manager and you said, I'm struggling this week with something in my family life or, you know, whatever it is, then 90% of the time you'd be dropped. You're not in the space to, to play this week. And, you know, and we laugh. And, and getting this, and it's, but it's also very sad, isn't yeah, it? Definitely, yeah, definitely, Because there'll be, you share that, someone's sharing their truth, but there'll be a lot of people in that change room who are feeling the same, but are just burying it and are carrying the weight onto the pitch. Whereas the one who shared it is at least then, I mean, yep. able to express it and move on, right? Yeah, definitely. The, the, um, from my perspective, it's, it's just about redefining certain terms. Um, because some of the definitions around at the moment I find are so illogical. For example, all this stuff you're talking about, whereas from a coach, if you just said, what do you, what do you really want? What's the sole goal of being a coach when you're a coach for a team? You want the best of every individual out there and you want the best, therefore, the best of the team. So you do anything it takes to get the best of that individual. Now, as a coach, if you've already got ideas about what the best of an individual is, you've decided their potential then you're going to decide what's right and wrong for them. You're not going to get the best out of them. It's all about you. So the most open person around has to be the coach. The most, so the person that goes on the biggest journey is the, is the leader that goes on that journey of, of exploration. I, it's, it's amazing how many people get disappointed because they talk about, I know what I'm capable of. It's like, well, what sort of a life is it if you've already decided you know what you're capable of? Where's the inspiration? Where's the surprise? Where's the shock? Where's the awe? The whole point about potential is you've got no idea what it is. To claim that this moment we're having here, this talk is good or bad, has to be that we had an idea of how it was supposed to be. Mm. But you go through life with an idea of how life should be, you're not going to live it. You're not going to touch it. Mm. So as a coach, you, you, you have your idea of how you want it to be, but not how it must be. And how a player you'd like them to play, but not how they should play. And these, these, so much of that definition has become black and white. You know, the, the values of a team are, if you don't do this, you don't fit in. It's just about what liberates the potential of every person. I, I work with the, the kickers in the England rugby team, and, and within five minutes, I can have them kicking the ball like they've never kicked it before, just by liberating them. And I'll say, right, that was five minutes now when you leave here you've got the entire week imagine what you could do with the entire week we just did that in five minutes they turn up at the weekend like this well what have you been doing with your time the whole point of everything is to liberate your potential in this moment now whatever that takes is right the the point being is that preparation has become a poorly defined term in that preparation is now about control 
instead of preparing the next, the, the future version of you to be absolutely open to exploring. So I look at who I consider to be geniuses on the sports field and you watch them and they just flow. They don't have an idea of how it should be. They take what they get, they accept it, and then they just do something with it. And it makes you feel like this is, it's, it is, it's beauty in action. And I think, I think when you look at those guys, you have to sort of ask yourself, well, hold on, how does, a, how does beauty look to a coach? What does grace look like to a, to a player? What does it look to be like in that beautiful space of genius in the changing room before the game? And I think you go into change room nowadays. Like I said, I walk into change room and I feel like this is, it's, it's definitely not beautiful. Fair. What I'm saying, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fear and a lot of sort of musts and shoulds and, and survival and get through and make it through and, and you know, all this kind of just, it, and then you ask yourself what's happening on a bigger picture and it's pretty much communities doing that to each other. Yeah, I totally hear you. And I think what 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 is so lovely about this journey that we're talking about, and all the stuff that you're you're talking about now, is that you're now putting this into the next stage of your life. Right? You've 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 learned a lot of these philosophies that you've realised serve you much better. That allow you to be much more present. Which you know, as we're discussing in the in the presence, is where the the beauty lies, is, is where the freedom and the liberation lies. And you're channeling that into the work that you do now, right? And and. You know, this was a quite wasn't an easy interview for me in many ways, but it was easy in, in, in that I'm so in tune with your message, but also that the work that you're doing is totally aligned with all this message that you're sharing now, right? And that we, we use this as an example in that the kombucha brand that, you, that you, you've brought out is is very much um, one of the philosophies is about sipping it, tasting it, stopping it, drinking it very slowly, uh, actually embracing each you know each moment you taste it, not just chugging it down, putting it down, and cracking on, which we do with so much food, you know, I'm aware of it. Sometimes I'll be on my phone with the TV on and having a conversation with, with a friend whilst I'm having this food and I, I might as well have eaten anything because I didn't taste one bit of it, right? Because I wasn't present. So the philosophy very much of, of, of the work that you're doing is to bring all this, this stuff that you've, you've learned and, and you feel is serving you better in life, which I, I truly believe, and putting it into a product and trying to take that forward into, into your future. That, is that fair to say? I think we, we were lucky in that the product itself is a representation of of this in a way um on such a deeper level and that we were looking to combine life with life for for the beginning the the bacterial the gut bacteria and the role of the gut in in mental health physical health is just i mean it's still being explored but the potential of it is, is ridiculous but on a bigger even bigger picture you're looking at a product that as it gets bigger and and grows older it gets better it gets more powerful. Now, this is a message to society. You just need to look at people walking around saying, as, as, as I get older, life gets harder. As I get towards the end of my day, life gets, it's, you know, I've had a long day. It's like, but this, we've got something here, which as, as it's growing, it's, it's just getting bigger and even more vibrant. And I think for that was a huge message. And also the other message was that we wanted to combine this life with life to understand that what, what we eat is, is essentially our body. It, it I, as a rugby player and as, as a sportsman you, you you're almost convinced that this here has always been here and that food and what and drink or whatever you just fuel it and that this this stays as it is for however many years and then it fades but actually as you know science shows the body is constantly regenerating it's coming in and out of existence every cell is dying coming back as totally regenerate what we eat 
from this big to what we are now is just the food we've eaten. So the very nature of like the quality of what goes into you will affect your thoughts, will affect your sensations, will affect your relationship with the world, will affect your, your touch, your taste, your movement, everything. The way you speak, the way you see other people, it's all coming from this body and it's all made out of this. So I was sat in a change room where, you're, like you were saying, I wouldn't care. I just opened up these things and just rammed them down. It was like, oh, whatever. Yeah, it's got to be energy. It's got to be 95% protein. <laughs> you know, like you're just all these kind of things going on. No gratitude in the way that you relate to your food, no eating it, no respect for what's happened for that to get on your plate, whether who's cooked it, whether it's the life that's had to die for you to carry on living. Nothing. And then people complaining about health and people complaining about waking up feeling a bit tired just a deeper understanding that none of this is by accident. So we wanted to try and to, to get deeper into that relationship, at least at the very base, just go for, right, we've got something living and alive, meeting something living and alive, joining forces to create a better and bigger experience of life. And I think you know, I have a mental health foundation which works on the same basis, and it's all about it's all about ultimately no longer about what's a good and a bad life, just how alive can you actually feel. Mm. which actually leads me on to a, a quote that you said which I just think is is beautiful is in line with exactly what you said you said uncovering my true potential is what drives me I used to think it was about fitness and doing now I see that everything is founded upon health and being at the beginning I figured a successful life involved winning caps trophies and titles it was all about what I could achieve and how I was seen by others trying to be the best turned out to be such a small and limited journey when compared to the path of revealing my best. The stress, suffering, sacrifice never ended in joy, just more stress and suffering, more pressure, anxiety and depression. With a limited dimension to explore and the same intense energy driving me, my life has become full of inspiration. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that's such a, a beautiful and, and wonderful message in, in a world where we do live in, in this very measurable existence of being defined by what we've achieved. And I even heard you talk about your legacy. You know, we even think about when we go, my legacy will make me happy. <laughs> and it's like, well, you're no yeah. longer here. To, yeah. How's that going to make you happy if you're not here to, to exist it? But and we, as men, I think there's this huge emphasis on ambition and being, we've got to be ambitious. We touched on this when we were talking before and that's healthy. And almost the opposite of that, of ambition for me is gratitude. Yeah. Being present is just being here right now do, doing your thing so yeah can we could talk about because obviously you've achieved so much and you will be whether you like it or not I guess you will be defined by a huge amount of what you've achieved because it's incredible but um, what is it about I mean I, I guess I know the answer but what is it for you now what, what is how is fulfilling your true potential what is what is the direction how are you doing this every day now I think um, I mean the beauty is is that I can be defined by the outside but it's yeah. irrelevant to me yeah like i said I, I i don't have that definition myself in terms of fulfilling my potential I, I can't fulfill it i'm just i'm just revealing it and that's the i guess the journey mentioned there is that you either go on a journey of life just trying to accumulate as much stuff as you can whether it be reputation whether it be respect or status or money or things or you go on a journey of revealing that doesn't mean getting rid of those things i think that's a misunderstanding that it means that if i need to find my potential i've got to give everything i've got away it's like it's not that it's just you can use the things to find that but it's sometimes helpful not to be too morbid but to go to the go to the best guess we've got of the end and start there and say well hold on what what would have been a life well lived 
what's my definition of a well, life well lived? And it's like, well, you could look at the most phenomenal room of stuff. All my caps and England shirts hanging up and maybe have a roll of video going round and round of some stuff that happened. You could be like, yeah, right, this feels awfully small. Or you can go on a journey of being like, well, that room is endless. And there doesn't need to be anything in it because you can't keep anything anyway. You've got to give it all back, including the body. And it's like to just that understanding came to me at the end of my career to be like, I was coming to the end of my career being like, I'm going to have to live on this and understand that what was worth it? What was really worthwhile? Which bits were worthwhile? Was it the arguments with people? Was it the fretting over kicks I missed or things I should have done or being dropped? Or was it just that, was it, it was actually enough for that one moment in the middle of the action where you just felt like I'm no longer me trying to play the game. I'm me, I am the game. I am the ball, I'm all these other people. I just am this. And that's when I think people, sports people talk about being in the zone is that you get a brief glimpse of the spiritual side, which is that you become, you, ex, you transcend the barriers of the body and you start getting confused about being, what the hell am I? And which bits of this am I actually doing? Because I saw that happening before it happened. And I knew that person was going to do that. And I knew the ball was here and I feel that like this has changed. It happens very briefly, but for a moment you just know. And I think some of the stuff you're talking about is a deeper thing to knowing, knowing not in like, oh, I've learned stuff, but knowing in that sense of when you occasionally get that feeling that you just know everything's okay. It's in here, isn't it's it? It's deep, Deeper. yeah. And, and, and it, it goes beyond the lines of the body. You can't be someone living in a world of others who knows it's going to be okay because who knows what's going to happen. Mm. But the knowing comes from just being bigger than who you are. And I think that's the journey. It's revealing potential. It's not revealing what I can do. It's revealing what I is that it's not actually trapped inside this body as we're led to believe I, you know it's it's not from my experience that's not where it starts i know this is much much deeper than maybe we're supposed to go but from my perspective that's life that's the point of life is find out how big this eye is don't try and reinforce it with things and decorate it with stuff but find out how big it is and sometimes those things are great vehicles for, for finding out how big it is. Mm. But moments like this, when you're sat there and you're maybe looking at people, I think there's a few faces going, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> but what a great way of revealing that because maybe I'm thinking, oh, that's made me feel a bit like this. And what an amazing feeling. I'm feeling a bit like this. Why am I feeling like that? That's interesting. I've got that belief, but that's ridiculous. Oh my God, I'm growing. As opposed to being the guy that walks out and is like, cheers guys, you know, yeah. thanks very much. I'm on the way out. It's like, no, be that that space of every moment in life has an opportunity to go deeper or you can come back to the top and just say what have I got what am I worth and what does everyone think of me I think that coming from someone who achieved their dreams I mean I'm guessing as a child you probably your biggest dream would have been to play for the Lions win the World Cup all these kind of things that you achieve them all and it's easy for someone who hasn't achieved their dreams to to sort of say oh, I don't poo-poo this stuff because if I get there, I know I would be happy. You know, actually, that's really <laughs> yeah. what it would be about. Yeah. But you've you've done you've done these. You've, you've ticked those boxes, and really, that's that's. I mean, not to not to say what you haven't done. You've done is is is, is not incredible, but, but it's tick, you've ticked the boxes. Really, didn't make you feel everything that you're capable of feeling. It was great, and it, there were things, and they were brilliant. But it it didn't take you into the depths of what you're trying to. No, view. But, but this just the point is that the worst thing you can do in life is arrive. Yeah just get there just arrive in life and then see what it's like now everyone might say yeah but you achieve this I've, I've had people say that to me young kids players maybe 19 they're like yeah but it's alright for you to say that because you won a World Cup you dropped a goal in the last seconds. I mean what more is there I'll tell you what the following day 
is one of the lowest days I've ever had. Because the whole process of life is that when you get to the edge of your boundary, where you say, this is who I am, and you bang against the end, you suddenly go, oh, I made a bad call. You know, and I think everyone here has achieved things they wanted to achieve. How did you feel afterwards? Was that enough? No. Well, then don't, why is it any different when someone else achieves what they want and it's not enough? I think to bring it down to an interesting, hopefully interesting analogy for you guys, for me it's interesting, is that the whole point of that identity I said about getting to the edge of you, you, who you are and you hit the limit because you arrive and you suddenly go, what? Are, you know, this isn't right. You either, two experiences, you either get everything you want or you get so little of what you want, you end up in the same space. It's the same feeling. And it's a bit like being in a car showroom if you're into cars and you, you've got enough money in your pockets to buy any car in that showroom and the, and the number of cars in that showroom is infinite. There's different cars, different colors, different sizes, different this, different that. And you've got, you feel like, oh my God, it's so exciting. I can buy any, I can buy any of these. And you're walking around thinking, and then you find one, you go, this is the one. And you spend your money and you're sitting and you go, oh yeah. And you drive it out the showroom and you see someone else going into the showroom with their pockets full and you can't help but envy that person. And you can't help but feel like this is amazing in my new car, but ah, it's not as good as it was before I chose it. Yeah. And this is just the point with me with that identity is that when you're young, it feels like I want to be this guy. And you start driving around in that identity and you're like, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. But slowly you're like, it's getting old. Mm. I want it to change. And you start trying to put a spoiler on it mm. to be a bit younger. And you're like, it's not the same. Mm. And then you're looking around at everyone else. It's like, I want to be, and you, you go through your crisis of being like, I want to change. I want to be someone else. The thing is, is that with choosing an identity is that you never actually buy a car. You just test drive it. Mm. And you can change it whenever you want. You, you, you actually never leave the showroom. We'll spend an entire life going, I could do that one. And you live it for a bit, but you never leave. You, you actually have a virtual experience of identity because we never are who we think we are. It's a joke. You're just virtually test driving these phenomenal cars. And if you're driving, you're like, I hate this. Well, then stop driving it. Pick another one. But we all, maybe in society, this thing is be who you are. Don't ever change for anyone. People saying, I am who I am. I'm never going to change. It's like, well, stop complaining then. If you chose this car, yeah, if you're responsible for who you are, you chose this car. And if you didn't, then choose a new one. And I think that the, what I did for a long time was to use the same analogy, I wore the rugby shirt, same analogy as the car, and I was wearing it everywhere. Go back home and eat food with my family or whatever, and I'd be there thinking about the game, and I just wanted to enjoy the food. It's like, well, take the shirt off. Be no one. Be absolutely no one, and realize then you can be anyone you want to be in any moment. Don't have to be who you think you are. Don't have to wear the same shoes you wore when you were 10 years old. Change them. They don't help anymore. That's and it, freedom essentially the freedom is is that if you're no one you can go anywhere you want yeah you know I I, I would love to hog you and ask questions <laughs> the whole time I'm sure we're going to have some, some questions in here but I fundamentally just want to wrap this part up by saying I think you know that the headline of this was, was living from the inside out and that everything that you just said is embodying this perception, uh, perception that actually the relationship we have with ourselves is, is the most how we feel within what's what's going on in there is this is the crux of life this is what's going on it's not about everything else you can achieve and tick and show and all the rest of it what's that relationship like with yourself and to, and to live in that you've got to you've got to know your, your values and, and know who you are and strip away 
all the, all the rubbish. I think I think it is, but it's really important to also know that because it gets confused sometimes with that idea that you then become just like a witness of your life, and it's for people that like to sit on hillsides and 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 close their eyes for twelve hours a day, but it's not. It's 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 the experience of life. It's a way of integrating into the stuff. And, and that's the beauty of it. I think it gets misunderstood that if I want to be like that, then I have to step back and watch all these other guys go off and do it. And I'm there going, mm, isn't life great? But it's not. It's, 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 not about, it's not about being peaceful. It's about being fully engaged. It's not about sitting back and being quiet and watching life. It's being so deep in life that there is quiet. And this is, again, going back to a sport, sporting being in the zone, is that there is pure peace in chaos everything's happening and yet it's like it's like silence mm. like i said that knowing mm. and i think that's really key is that yeah this it, you're right it is inside but when you go inside for me anyway work out work inside out you realize there's never been an out it's all inside mm. and i think that's the revelation it's not about there's me living beautifully on the inside and i have to ignore the out it's like i realize that the further i go in the, the more i expand out and for me, that's, the, that's been the beauty of it. Like I said, I've only got basically two stories. One is when I was properly lost and one now when I still have to do pretty much what I have to do. I still have to perform and I still do things and, and I wouldn't swap this moment for anything. Beautiful. Thank you. Pleasure. No, enjoyed it. Um, I don't think we're finished, but we're, we're going to open this up to some questions. Have we got a microphone or how? We've got two, two questions. Two questions. We've got two questions. So um, can I let you choose? Do you want to? <laughs> I don't want to on you. Um, how, am I choosing? Well, I mean, Rich is such a great friend. I, I, I have to ask Rich. Oh, microphone. Is it gone? Can you hear me? Yeah. Richie. Is it working? Check. There we go. Uh, so you mentioned uh, as a young fellow, you wrote down your goal. You, you want to be the best. Um, with the growth and the experience, the knowledge that you have now, if you were to take that and be the young fellow again, would you still write the same goal or would it be something different? I'm going to answer this in a, in a slightly different way. Um, but I hopefully get to the point is that two things. Single-minded focus part of that kind of inner inner peace allows for single-minded focus with single-minded focus anything is possible people sometimes say you can't you can't sort of beat the guy who never gives up but it's not that it's about if you have a single-minded focus about what i want to happen next and what i'm doing about it now nothing you're unstoppable because it because i accept and here i go i accept and here i go and that's the that's all that creates is just taking in the information pinpoint this is what I'm doing with it so that desire is huge what I would have done if well and the other part of it being so no I wouldn't have changed anything because this is how I'm supposed to be now I wasn't supposed to be like that then this is how I was supposed to be then but but the other part of it being is that if you're put back in the same body as a kid with the same way of looking at yourself the same way therefore of looking at the world the same way therefore of feeling about it the same way therefore of of doing what you're doing you'll get the same things. You can't go back into the same idea of who you are and have the same way of looking at the world and the same feelings and do something different. This is a beautiful way of accepting it, saying people worry about what they've done in the past. But there is, it's all about how you saw yourself then and how I saw myself then, I was supposed to. 
so that I can see myself now. But also, I'm not linked to that person. I love it when people say about me in the past. I'm like, I've never experienced the past. I'm just here now. And you see a photo of me, I'm like, it's not me. There is just now. I have so many beautiful memories that I can use. But if I align myself to those memories as who I was, I'm tethered by them. So if I think that's who I was, it's like pulling on me. Whereas if I realize that that was a version of me and I have all the memories and data, then I can be all I want to be here and have all this information. So I, I've, I sort of, I like talking about the past because I mess around with it. But at the same time, I wouldn't have changed anything because that single-minded focus was key. It was, however, going to run into a brick wall at one point. Yeah, and that, that's what happened. Basically, you get to the end of realizing that, shit, this is, this is going to hit, hit hard and I'm going to fall fast. But then here I am now. I feel like um, you're almost you're you're, you're you're almost going to be better known as a philosopher than a rugby player by the end of all this. <laughs> I'm a madman, yeah, one of the two. <laughs> Have we got one more question? Yeah, thank you for taking the pressure away from me. <laughs> so um, I just want to know what is one thing you would give us as a piece of advice that we could take away from here right now to become more of our true self to be. Um, the the for for one. What I'm talking about now, from my experience, is everywhere. So many people going down the street. Everywhere you look, there's people talking about it. The answer is inexperience. The difficult thing is, is making sure you're looking at experience and not looking at your own beliefs. Because the answer is not in beliefs. The limits are in beliefs. But the answer is in experience. And one of the first questions that comes is, have you ever experienced in your life anything other than here and now then you have to question your belief in a past because this is the key about we're speaking about earlier about that idea about don't think of a pink monkey is that your mind has lost control whereas because when you when i convince myself that i've had this amazing this this past and it's who i was who i was who i was then my memory is owned by that past i don't own it now that's what I meant about your identity owns your way of thinking. By focusing just purely on the now, I then become me now with amazing memory and incredible imagination. If I convince myself I've got a past, then I become me now tethered to my past and being led by my future. The difference is being here now with memory and imagination is infinite possibility being tethered to a past of who I was and how things have to be is a life of going through the motions. And the way I'd sum that up is probably best by saying, I had a period of my life that I was injured. I talk like this, even though, like I said, my life and my past, whatever, but I had a period of my life where I was injured for four years. And if you caught me on a good day and said, how about that four year injury period? I'd be like, oh, it's amazing. It opened my eyes to so many things. But if you caught me on a bad day and said, how about that four-year injury period? I'd be like, it cost me 50 games for my country. I could be the record holder now. What a waste of time. But you're like, well, hold on. All of us believe that we're a result of our past, but I've just given you two different stories from my past. So, my, so I'm not a result of what I've been through. What I've been through is a result of who I am now. And I know that's a difficult concept, but understanding that actually how we are now affects our past it's not the other way around so when i learned that i was kind of like well this is crazy if i can just be 
whatever I need to do to, to liberate myself now, I liberate myself completely. No, so in a good mood, your future looks great. In a bad mood, your future looks terrible. Well, which is it? It's just your mood. And where's your mood happening? Here and now. And why is your mood happening? Because my old idea of me is telling me you shouldn't do that and you shouldn't have done that. That person can't talk to you like that. And oh God, well done, you've won. It's like, well, hold on. Someone else is living my life for me. Identities are great, but they live your life for you. So people with huge identities often complain about having no space, pressure, no freedom, no ability to do what I want to do, too much responsibility. People with no identities have freedom. It doesn't make you any less effective at what you're doing. <laughs> if that sounds of any interest, I went a bit all over the place there. So when you say just one thing, I'm like, oh no, which one is it? <laughs> I think all of that is deeply powerful. I, I think, um, I mean, you, you won't think too much about it, but there's so much intellect. It's, it's, it's incredible to, to, uh, to hear all this stuff. I don't think anyone in this room probably realized the amount of information there is within you and i'm sure that's just touching the surface you know yeah it's um it's phenomenal um so thank you can Pleasure. we, can oh, we have a, a quick check out yeah definitely how we're feeling um sorry recording it's going on just oh you want more question okay yeah yeah one more we've got one more who's who's you go you go johnny johnny sorted it out Oh. Uh, hi. Um, I was wondering, you talk about the fear of going on to like playing professional sport not being a good thing, but do you think that the fear in life and in sport is what drives us to try and achieve? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, and it really, for me, it comes down to two ways of looking at it. Um, when I've been at my very best... If you ask me, how do I feel? I don't feel, feel fearful in any way. I feel present. I feel fully engaged. But the other way of looking at it, I guess, is that fear is getting to where you want to go by moving away from where you don't. So it's an accidental journey. So I did that for a lot of my career. It's, it's by moving away. The, the journey of moving away from where you don't want to go and the journey of going to where you do are not the same journey. Fear is a bit of a blind journey in that you've got your back to where you want to go. You're too busy looking at where you don't and you're hoping you'll end up somewhere near where you want to do, where you do want to go. Um, and as a result, it's, it's, it lacks a conscious edge. It lacks the energy, the proactive energy of inspiration, aliveness, I mean, you do feel f fear that kind of spike of aliveness in that physical fear. But for me, it's quite an interesting one because it was two sides of my career. One was hugely inspired. The other one was, was fear-based. But on the field, there was only one space I was in. I was never fearful when I was actually doing stuff. And it's kind of interesting that you get like uh, kickers in rugby. They'll be running around playing the game and they look absolutely graceful as anything. They're just in, in, they're in the moment running around and the referee blows his whistle and says, penalty, you've got to kick a goal. And suddenly the kicker goes from this space of absolute beauty to starts walking around like this. And you're seeing them, you say, well, a minute ago, you were capable of doing anything. Some of the most difficult things you're just, you're just managing beautifully. And now you've got to do something that you've been practicing your entire life and look at you. 
you stood like this, as if you're going to suddenly fall, you know, fall apart. The idea being is that as soon as you add fear to it, you lose that space of creativity, inspiration, and flow. You lose that, that insightfulness. So fear and anger and frustration are also journeys where you've already decided what the destination has to look like. So like anger is, and is another good one is that people say, well, what about anger? You say, well, hold on. If you're angry, you're basically saying this shouldn't be like this. I need to make it as it should have been, which is not making it all it can be. They, occasionally stuff happens when you get fearful and you get angry. So people think, well, let's just stick with that. But I think health struggles quite heavily with it as well. And also you end up affecting a hell of a lot more people around you through fear and anger than you do through flow and creativity. Brilliant. Um, every time you, you, you speak, I'm tuning in. I'm trying to, I almost want to write all this stuff down with my notepad. Um, it's incredible. Um, let's have a quick check out and we'll wrap, yep. we'll wrap things up if we can. Do you want to go? How are you feeling? Um, I feel like I've had a bit of a download, if you know what I mean. I feel like uh, something came out of that space about everyone being in this room or whatever that's, that's led to something. But on the whole, in the inside, I feel pretty much the same as I did before I started. I feel pretty much excited about whatever's going to happen next. Mm. I'm kind of excited. Maybe on the way out, I'm going to sp speak to a few people. Maybe I'm going to see some of this place out. I have no idea. And I'm kind of really excited about that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Go and explore. Yeah, definitely. Um, thank you. Um, I feel this, this, this kind of mixture of um, sadness that it's over and relief that it's over. <laughs> You know, it's like, I haven't right. screwed this up, but that probably won't ever happen again in my life, okay. which I know is just my thoughts, you know, but yeah. one experience for me to, to sit, you know, right. uh, um, and have this conversation. So I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful it happened, but yeah, it's, um, just all in all a beautiful experience. Yeah, I agree. And, and, uh, yeah, really cool. Also one that I'm really excited that there's there's a there's a man like you championing this message and sharing that people will want to listen to you filled this room and people have just heard your message which I think is such a powerful one for humanity and, and going forward and, and helping people to actually live in a more present state all the time which is a great avoidance of depression anxiety all these things so I, the help that you're going to give people fills me with with, with a lot of hope and, cool. and um yeah so thank you very much Johnny uh, big round of applause Johnny Austin thank you Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you found that as inspiring and engaging as we did. Don't forget you can join us for more episodes and find out about future Live Well events at livewelllondon.com. You can also find out more about our amazing contributors at Number One Living Drinks, Johnny Wilkinson Official, and follow Ben at The Naked Professor. So for now, take care, live well, and we will see you next time.